So some some end notes on meditation or formal meditation practice, and I hope you uh, understand deeply that this this uh, cultivation, overall cultivation of heart and mind, extends beyond um, sitting on a cushion or doing these formal uh, meditation exercises. Uh, these will always be a place that you can check in with and should, I think, I encourage you to make a regular practice of it as a reference point where you can discharge uh, qualities that you can't deal with in any other way. <laughs> and you can also develop qualities that you can't really develop in the same way in daily life. Not to say that daily life doesn't have its lessons and important ways of modes of practice and cultivations um, but you know this core practice of you know just being in your body sitting walking uh, turning down the sense engagement um, sensory engagement uh, is just just really a wealth tested and tried touchstone for for sanity <laughs> and for happiness and this is always something when you go back to this and you've switched off everything else it's going to tell you like where's the stress you know, where, how is stress being created right now remember it's not your fault but it's certainly your responsibility because you have to, you have to live with it and uh, in one's stressed state one is never going to be as emotionally or psychologically balanced as when you're in a state of ease and stability. It just can't be any other way. So to touch into that and to do the work or the training, if you like, you don't want to make it too heavy, but even the, the relationship with your body and your mind, look at it that way, that is conducive to... Um, Stability, ease, uh, sensitivity, responsiveness. You know, this, this is this is the, 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 these are the things. You know, and certainly I frame it in this way because you know we can very often see in, in Buddhist practice some indeed you know really true um, statements about you know faith and energy and mindfulness and. Uh, concentration and so forth, and this is true, but let's look at the language that we're using and you know, find your own language. Language is language, and they carry nuances of it, uh, carry certain nuances. And some of the language, although it's accurate, is very much like of a fairly cool and you know. It's almost like technologies of meditation. You know, this and that, and do this and do that, and then do this and then do that, and do this and do that. And yeah, it's, it's good to have that. But so often it's really a matter of developing a relationship with your body and with your mind. You know, a warm, firm, clear, committed relationship. 
and to something you don't really, one doesn't really understand. You know, we don't really understand what attention is, uh, the whole scope of it. We've got a very limited uh, use of attention, which is often, you know, a five percent attention onto a particular point. That's inadequate. It's not the full scope of attention. You know, you can spend it very wide. You can soften. You can see things close in a soft way. You can see things with a sympathetic eye. You, know, you can tone down certain details that are irrelevant. Uh, you can select particular underlying details to bring them up. What's really happening underneath this? You can inquire into into um, how you relate to physical discomfort, you know, or the various, you know things we're, we're just picking up from our society, you know, how our minds are affected. Your mind is certainly not your own. <laughs> your heart is, your, is certainly conditioned, but your mind is very much conditioned by social attitudes and, and upbringing. And if you recognize, you know, we, we're in, living in situations where our social attitude and upbringing has not been that of enlightenment <laughs> so we've, we've picked up these programs of you know make this work, do this, do that, do that you know, and whatever else goes on and these are very inadequate programs uh, and often we don't really know any others a lot of them will distract or look the other way or just push through and that's inadequate you know so I think well, we have to begin to put lay aside our normal strategies. Not because they're completely useless, but they, they we get, you know, we're using 5% of our qualities, you know, 80% of the time, rather than using 80% of our qualities 100% of the time, you know. Uh, and, and sometimes we don't really know what love is. You know, we know what romance is, we know what liking things is, we know what passion feels like, but just this real, you know, the development, even if you get the idea to develop, the qualities of just acceptance, it's such a modest word, uh, unconditional acceptance and willingness to be with and open, the heart to open to to what you're in and even we get the idea it just takes time for to, that to happen it's like the fibres of the heart get rather tense just like the fibres of the body get stiff and tense the fibres of the heart you know get stiff and tense and they don't yield that easy <laughs> so this is the place where we really trying to do some of that and it's uh, you know it's trial and error a lot of the time just but essentially you know your body and mind will teach you will teach you this is where you cannot just keep pushing forward this is where you you've got to stop um, you know trying to get away from something you have to meet it and open to it and, and using that so the receptive aspect is something that, by and large, I feel we, that we need to develop because we're in a very proactive 
um, social uh, culture. You know, we sort of do, 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 uh, make things work. When you consider the, you know, where this teaching came from, you know, in, in India, Buddha did, the Buddha didn't didn't commute. <laughs> they didn't do commuting. They didn't do deadlines. They didn't do efficiency drives. <laughs> you know, life in an Indian village is pretty, you know, timeless. No, no clocks at all. And, uh, and low, low impact, very low impact. And then they, even in that case, they would still leave even that to go and live in a forest where all that drops away completely. Certainly forest life has immense challenges in terms of just the physical safety. But in terms of psychological uh, wholeness, it's much, much stronger in terms of psychological wholeness. Yeah. And lack of, lack of psychological pressure, social pressure. Now these phenomena you know, have um, effects on the way our minds operate and on various levels. In, in fact, what I'm saying, as I'll once again say, is energetic level. The energetic level, the body and the heart are not separate. So if one is experiencing fear and anxiety, that will be registered in your body. It will drip into your your nervous system. It must do. It means certain parts of your your physiology will begin to become more uh, alert or hyper or defended than other parts, and this will this will certainly provide uh, a kind of a fundamental uh, momentum that will build up to create physical pain, discomfort, and even imbalances in the body. So just even a very fundamental level, we so so, uh, immediately sense ourselves as really living up in the head, or maybe just the really upper part of the body. That's unquestioned. Because that's where the energy is, and that's where, you know, of course we've got sense organs up on this top piece. Uh, is it possible to you know, to drop away from this and to 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 the to the abdomen or the chest and to re- begin again from there? Not because this certainly even this changes the way one's energies are running. Way one's energies are running will create you know, physiological effects, and these will create physical effects. And, and you can't always solve those physical effects physically. You know, I, clearly, I know many, many people, and um, people who considerable, people who don't considerable um, diligence in. In, in developing bodily flexibility through yoga, exercises, and so forth, and quite very impressive. 
still experience incredible physical tension and pain. No, doesn't look like it. <laughs> but the shoulders tightened up, and there's this kind of pressure in the back, and there's tension in the belly. Uh, and, uh, you know, and no amount of stretching changes it. And, you know, when I hear their personal history, I think, oh, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, you know, psychological pressure, this absence of a, of a warm, spacious, loving environment. Um, yeah, go on, go on. But, you know, certainly uh, emotional effects affect how the body holds itself. This is involuntary, not your decision. The body holds itself in certain ways, and this will create. So we've got a, my general sense is, you know, you've got certain reference points, uh, the, you know, the silence, the sense of silence and space. How is that? Can you be comfortable with that? I'm not saying you must be, but noticing one isn't, or is. If one isn't, then hmm. you, you, one needs to cultivate the kind of attitudes and images, images of warmth or uh, light or safety or something that will make you know, silence uh, a place that you feel really, really comfortable in. You can't force yourself to be comfortable, <laughs> but you can keep nudging comfortable tonalities and say this word again it's not just a piece of decoration this is what one can steadily drip into into the system and you check well can you do silence honestly sometimes some days something's just jittering doesn't want to settle you can't force it. Just to listen to that, okay? What's needed here? And once you begin to get the sense of these tonal references, uh, then you find your way. Yeah. If it's imagining you've got a lovely big fluffy dog sitting in front of you, looking at you with adoring eyes, do it. <laughs> That's your Buddha. Put it right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Kuan Yin dog form. Put it right there and look at let it look at you. You know, you have to have to play exactly by the book to touch the resonances that uh, mean something. Even the memory of a beloved friend or a teacher, or where you you felt that dropping in your shoulders. It's sometimes not it's imperceptible physically. There's a physiological shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another very important reference is: Can you can you just scan your, your entire body? Uh, this isn't say a microscopic investigation, but an overall feel for it. Can you do that? Uh, can you take your time with that? Uh, can you not just scrutinise it like you're looking at a dead fish or something or or 
doing a, a you know a survey of of, of in, inanimate object, but uh, the, the the scanning of the body is like a, like someone reading pulses, just that sense, a healer reading pulses, tracing it's sympathetic, shifting over the over the body's skin or its boundaries. The body knows it has boundaries, and those are very that's a very important reference because of the boundaries where you feel settled or safe or not, and sometimes your mind doesn't even know what you're feeling because it has got the capacity to switch off bits that don't fit what it wants to do. You know, our mind does that, it just deliberately shuts down pieces that can't manage. But your body doesn't, or if it does, it lets you know. You know, there's no feeling here. The left side is five times bigger than the right side. It feels that what feels that way. What's happening? Well, hmm, something's not settled here. We need to then get the whole picture and just steadily, as if you're very lightly stroking or grooming the energetic field. It's moving through left to right, top to the bottom. Feeling those places where there's a, there's a rigidity or a closure, and then just very patiently, you know, sweeping through that, with no intention to make it go away, just the intention to let it know it's being felt. You know, to let let it know that you're listening and sympathetic. The language I'm using is quite deliberate to let it know that you're listening, you're there and sympathetic. And then when it's ready, it will begin to release. I'm using those words quite deliberately. Now, if things are set, are settling, you, the, the sign that things are settling and comfortable in terms of body is you can feel breathing in and breathing out in a pretty comfortable way. It may be not be razor sharp, but that sense of a tidal flow is there for you. The body actually has settled. It has settled. And then it will do that. You'll feel it. My advice is to not go hunting, breathing in and out. Uh, um, you know, the word hunting is not the most useful uh, emotional tone to have, I don't think. But being ready, create, like keeping your house clean, wait for the guest, turn up. Guests, you know, there, there she is, flowing tidal qualities. And to not have to be looking at a particular place that you should find it at, but let it arise where you, where you can sense it. And it's tidal. And the important feature is, is not to get pinpoint accuracy on sensation, but to get an overall comfortable quality of the tidal flow of breathing in and breathing out. Uh, with the pauses in between the two. So you, you, you bear that in mind, you can't force it, but if that's coming through you can feel it, then 
things are pretty settled. Yeah. I say this because the mind's ability to, to deny or to just not to not notice is fundamental. You know, we because we we come into experiences that we can't really accommodate, we can't really manage. Then the mind just shuts it off. That's it. That's its strategy. You shut off the grief or the fear because you just can't can't handle it. So it just does that, uh, and then I feel fine. Okay, a bit twitchy, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the, con- and the constant rolling on of thoughts also sort of is a smoke is a smoke screen of some kind. To uh, so we don't you know the mind doesn't have to settle into places where there's that slight deflective sense or discomfort. Um, why am I thinking so much about things that I don't need to? Something's not settled here. So we regard the tonality of the thinking mind and listen to that sympathetically. Mm. Yeah. It's worrying a bit. A bit worried. Pretty understandable. What does worry need? It doesn't need to be told to stop. Shape up, but it's helpful to find the tonality of non worry. The tonality of non worry. There's places where I'm sure any of us would feel very worried, concerned. And so giving attention to them will tend to escalate the worry and that will have physiological effects, physical effects. Can we turn towards a place we have, where there's the worry isn't there? You know, and take in that so we're stable enough, comfortable enough to be able to manage some of this input. Which you, we will do. Once you and if that if you those have been established, you kind of come into these uh, proper relationship, proper way of relating to that. Essentially, the receptive and the, and the responding rather than the directive and uh, you know uh, domineering, but receptive and responsive. Then you know, then you're finding you're going to come into a proper balance, whereby other, other you know med- practice meditation or some of these formal practices, mindfulness of breathing, will become things that you can take real interest in genuinely and get gain furtherance in. Um, 
So we have that sitting, breathing, standing, and walking, and reclining, and noticing how these can give slightly different approaches. Uh, with uh, standing, you're really focusing on balance. It's a, it can be a little bit straining for the for a normal body till you get used to it, to be able to stand that very much keeps you awake. You can't fall asleep. If you fall asleep standing up, you really need to take a nap. There's <laughs> no doubt about it. It's not a minor hindrance. <laughs> so it just keeps you, it stops you getting so flooded by thoughts because you, you know, something that's going to got to be attentive to standing up. Uh, it's just a matter of learning how to get the softness in the knees and the dropping in the back and the relaxing the shoulders to make that something whereby the bones are carrying the weight rather than the muscles and I've tried to indicate some of that walking is very good for adjusting our uh, mode of how we do things because um, so often we are programmed into the straight line and the horizon get there, there, straight line horizon, and uh, as they say in some cultures, demons go in straight lines, <laughs> they travel, well, demons always travel in straight, straight lines, so some cultures they particularly build in blocks in their houses, so you've got to go curvy to get in, it just keeps the demons out, they say. <laughs> Yeah, so you know you you feel that that way the the, the moment at time quality of, of walking that you've got to get one foot down and let it be there for that microsecond before the next and the next it just helps to you know shift the planning mind and the got to get there mind and the straight line mind into something that's much more you know present here and now moving along through space and we're, if you walk, do walking meditation properly or in an accomplished way you'll begin to notice I encourage you to notice um, the sense of the space around your body right in front of your chest face which is always open and this itself is just very marvellous the skin brightens up and you can discard quite a lot of stress just through that preoccupation you're, you're not inside your body muttering to yourself right at that interface which is where we should live at the interface it's relational clarity uh, reclining is uh, 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 tricky actually in some respects because it's easy just to sort of go into kind of graduated collapse <laughs> energy energy is more subtle slower and it's quite easy just to kind of drift off go dreaming so if you do reclining it's good to make it something that's got a formal quality to it either on your side or on your back and then keeping a line from the soles of your feet up to the crown of your head that line so it's like a string of an instrument that's finally just, just finally adjusted to it, the right pitch 
and then you can feel the resonance of the body there's a whole thing you can sweep from your feet up to your head and back down again very slowly along that along that line, that string or you could just even be with that string and feel the resonances present in the body it often takes you to a like a (laughs) pre-social state of mind it's because you know this is this is what we were born in this <laughs> we we sleep in this so we return we go from our social personality to something much more as you know imaginative sometimes downright weird <laughs> world <laughs> of subliminal uh, images and impressions because you know at that level the daytime personality is being the dimmer switch has gone on that, it's gone down. And you go to much more primordial senses. In that. And that's, that's useful. When you don't really know so much, so thoroughly who you are. Uh, but if you do reclining, um, first of all, as you get into that you know, position, establish a sense of like having a tent of safety over you, a canopy, so you can really open to the space so you know hardly in if you if you go in then you're going to sleep but if you get that canopy of safety uh, then you can stay open and, and clear you can use your hands your fingers uh, to keep you awake because fingertips are extremely sensitive so if you have your hands lightly touching each other on, on your on your body so folding over your chest or your abdomen or somewhere or even on your legs you feel just tuning into that tactile sense you know, to keep the tonality you know, sharper <clears throat> sitting meditation you know the, the standard but uh, because naturally when one's in a retreat you generally <laughs> often big feature it's being gathered in a hall where seating sitting down is the best way to organize it and so we think this is meditation sitting uh, the buddha taught four postures not one uh, but this is uh really good for uh for uh, an alert relaxation because you don't have to do anything the uprightness keeps you alert the non-moving is relaxing and in that uh, one can cultivate clear attention clear attention uh, to the process of Calming and relaxing, calming, soothing, relaxing, calming, soothing, relaxing. Any of these forms uh, will set up, you'll begin to encounter phenomena and your ways of relating to phenomena. Remember, it's not just the phenomena that count, it's 
your ways of relating to it are the most significant <laughs> feature. <laughs> that's part of that's part of the thing. It's not like I'm looking at something and getting it to work. No, my attitude of looking at something and getting it to work that's part of the practice that I need to review. <laughs> yeah, right. Who's getting what to work, <laughs> and what does that mean? What does success mean? How how keyed up am I to making sure I get this thing right? What's right mean? Is the body right? <laughs> you know? And you start to, well, maybe I just got to learn and be open and reset what I imagine right is. Or so we're in process. Process, learning process. This means that mistakes are the norm in order to learn. And if you can't make mistakes without getting into some kind of spasm of self-criticism, it's going to be a slow process. But most of it's just that willing to adjust, tune in, and hitting those places where things go very sweet period of time and linger in that. Build up the resource. Be able to name it or recognize it so that it's something this is where you get this storing of your punya your merit where things have settled comfortable warm free from afflictions really linger in that and and drink it in and let your body feel it as well because this this does help to clean out these um, subliminal physiological neurological uh, afflictions. Mm. The medicine of goodwill, Stephen, considering gratitude and blessings to other people, is also a powerful medicine for one's own embodied system. So, with that, I will. Include these end notes for this session. <laughs>